Hello everyone, this is episode 765 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, March 26th, 2021. I am your host, Mark Nez, and today I'll be talking about Dark Complete Edition, that is Dark, D-A-R-Q, Sumatra, Fate of Yandi, Monster Jam, Steel Titans 2, Black Legend, and One Escape. But before I get to all that... Remember how I said I was going to remove all the bullshit, all the tangents and nonsense from this here podcast and turn it into its own thing for Patreon? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. When I sat down and tried to do that, to record an episode of just that bit, I lacked all motivation. And when I am recording this show, I still want to interject my own personal nonsense, my stamp on this episode. So I'm not going to do that. I am going to, at the very least, include timestamps that just separate the bullshit in the beginning and then the game discussion when I'm talking about the games that I'm going to be talking about. Will I do timestamps for each individual game? That is still up in the air, maybe eventually, but right now in these current weeks where I'm just overflowing with work and stuff to do, maybe I won't go that far. But I will go at least as far as letting you know when the bullshit is over so you don't even have to bother with it. But yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with all that. However, the Attack the Backlog exclusive content stuff, like behind the scenes bits and videos of me playing a game that I didn't end up playing or picking for Attack the Backlog, still planning to do that. I have set up my secondary brand account that I had with YouTube from ages ago that I think was my Google Plus account that was turned into a brand account and it was just another pixelated sausage thing but I changed the icon for that and the name of it so I'll have this separate YouTube page that I can put the private unlisted however I'm supposed to set it up videos so that only backers will have the link to them and yeah that should be exciting. I'm guessing the the first video will go up next weekend when it's an off week. Because, of course, this upcoming weekend, this upcoming Sunday, is a new episode of Attack the Backlog. Not sure which one it's going to be yet. I'm currently going through the process of finalizing all the episodes I have in the works. Which is nine different episodes. All relatively short-ish in the... 6 to 10 minute range, I think, which has kind of been the going length. I could go on and on, but when I'm writing the scripts, it does keep me from rambling like I like to do and just focusing on what really stands out and what is hitting me in that moment. There is some fun in the episodes. I mean, there's always fun in the episodes, but in one of them in particular... I crack myself up because the script that I wrote was written a month or longer by the time I recorded it, and I completely forgot the jokes I made in it, and they are bad. They are really bad. They are juvenile and raunchy, and to just give you a little teaser, it's for Pumpkin Jack, which is a very delightful 3D platformer. I like that game a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But I use a different definition of 
Jack to start the show off, including a little quote from a song by a person of royalty who is no longer with us, but those in Minnesota are very big fans of him because he is from there, and that may be hint enough. But if you're looking for somewhere to go, girl, I'll take you to a movie show. That is not even a hint anymore. That is literally just like if you if you know this person at all, this artist, then you know where that intro went. Anywho, that is exciting that I'll be able to provide people with some behind-the-scenes kind of crap. And I think maybe I can also do bits where I take sections of gameplay from actual Attack the Backlog episodes. or not episodes, but the games that I've played for them. And say I play Demon Souls for PS4 or the, the PS3 version. And there was a particular boss fight that drove me nuts. I could take my gameplay footage of that and then do commentary over it, which could be real content, I guess. But I don't think that is something any normal person would want. That that definitely feels like a special feature type of content. So that is the the type of stuff I plan to put on that particular page and just make exclusive to Patreon. The rate of release, no clue there. I don't think it's going to be, oh, every week or whatever. But just if something grabs me or feels like it's worth sharing to those who would care, uh, I'll put it on there. So there's that. And in more Attack the Backlog news, which has me very, very, very excited and just excited in general, outside of Attack the Backlog, is that I got a new HDMI splitter. I got one in the past that was supposed to remove the HDCP from PlayStation 3 so that I could capture it and hook it up through my HDMI, not splitter, what is it called? Switch? -er. (laughs) And that one didn't work. And then I saw this other one that was highly acclaimed or whatever and said... It was supposed to work, but so did the other one, which is why I was hesitant for months and months and months, maybe even a year at this point. But I finally pulled the trigger a few weeks ago, tried it out, and it worked flawlessly. And what that means is I can now go back to the games in my PS2 collection, my PS1 collection, my PS3 collection, and play those for Attack the Backlog. So that opens up a large library of games that I can play both for the show and just for myself. I've been wanting to be able to play Downhill Domination for a very long time, and now I can do that. I can stream it as well, which could be exciting or not. I don't care because it's Downhill Domination and it's amazing. I, of course, could have just hooked it up via HDMI to its own input on the TV, and just played it that way, but I wouldn't be able to capture anything, of course, and that's important for me, even if I was just using it to play Downhill Domination. I I would still like to be able to capture stuff. And then on the streaming front, I set up a few more things. I'm still on the fence about whether or not I will include my camera so that you can see me while I'm playing, but I do plan to Stream a bit here and there just to test the waters and see how it goes. I'm not 
sure still what I will stream, whether it is Attack the Backlog stuff or things that I have in my library, my vast and ever-expanding library, uh, uh, games that are maybe not that great or seem ridiculous or could be interesting for people to watch that they would never, ever in a million years buy for themselves. Like uh, I was talking to few people in the player one podcast discord about b simulator who's gonna buy b simulator you know who's gonna buy it i am because i'm that weird person i like to just buy indie games when they're on sale uh, that's what i do I, I i like to support indie developers even though i don't support them on day one <laughs> but they put their game on sale for 50 percent off or more i'll likely pick it up just to show them some support because regardless of whether or not a game is of the highest quality. A lot of work has been put into them in most cases. There are surely cases, yes, that a game is just kind of thrown out there. But for the most part, people have put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. So that is an idea to play the games that people would not play themselves and wouldn't exactly make Attack the Backlog sense because they're not games that I'm really itching to play. I just have them in my collection. So that is uh, an option for that. But yeah, that's pretty much it on all of those fronts, as far as I can think of. So I'll just get to what I've been playing. I didn't mention this, but I finished almost all of Dirt 5. I've completed all the races except a few of the sprint races, which are bullshit, and I hate them. The ones where you're just driving a regular car are fine, but the one where you're driving that little mini car thing with a humongous ass spoiler it controls like ass i don't know how anyone does it maybe it feels much better with a wheel i don't have a wheel i've tried a wheel don't like a wheel everything else feels fine on the controller don't know why that controls like such a pile of shit you turn on all the assists you drop down the difficulty to the easiest and you still end up losing i'm sure you may be listening and you're like i had no problem with them i don't care I had a nightmare with them, and they are incredibly frustrated, and I hate them with a passion, but I have to find a way to finish them because I'm so close to just being done with the game entirely and getting all the achievements. I, I, w I never would have expected that that would have happened, but the bicycling with it has made it a very smooth completion. I, I have enjoyed it quite a bit. I also don't like the trail maker races because they are these i guess open races that you're trying to find your own path and there are sometimes branching areas but it is still a very linear race and it just ends up being an annoying thing where the car you are forced to drive in is more prone to flipping than other cars and i just i hate it some of the the courses are way easier and you could finish them with like 30 seconds of time to spare and then there are ones where you have to be almost perfect in order to make it in the gold time or whatever for the three medals or, or however you're rewarded for finishing the race but i do like that game quite a bit i don't understand the point of throwdowns you do them and it doesn't show as complete. I don't I don't know what those are for. I wish AJ would just shut his fucking mouth. He talks way too much and he's always annoying. 
I don't give a shit about his podcast or any of the shit he has to say when he's talking and I can't skip it. I hate it the most. But other than that, it's a, it's a solid game. It's worth picking up if it's on sale, but it's nothing amazing. doesn't showcase the power of next gen uh, unless I guess you are capable of displaying 120 FPS then maybe. But if you're unable to do that, it doesn't really do anything for next gen. But Let's get on to the real things I've been playing. So Dark Complete Edition is a... I guess, you wouldn't call it a platformer, or would you? I don't know. It, do you require jumping in platformers? Because if you do, Dark is not a platformer. And again, this is Dark, D-A-R-Q. I played all of these games that I'll be talking about on Xbox... But they are on other platforms. I, I can't speak to all of them in specifics. But Dark is very much so in the same vein as Limbo, Inside, and Little Nightmares in terms of being this atmospheric, creepy game where you are this boy i guess you're pretty tall and slender but i think you're probably a teenager or so and it's broken up into seven chapters the main story the main campaign with two extra levels which i'm assuming are what make it the complete edition and the way it works is that you start off each chapter in your house and then you lay down in bed and then you have like an out-of-body experience that sends you to various areas like a street, a subway, and whatnot. And the way it works is that while you can't jump or anything like that, you can rotate the environment. So you can rotate it and then walk up a wall or down a wall that you've created. In some of the areas, you can rotate the environment sideways i guess is the way you would call it you you rotate it so you can rotate it on the x-axis or on the y-axis in some cases and you do this you you rotate the world find objects in sort of an adventure game type of way to interact with other objects so you can progress further and create levers to open doors uh, manipulate puzzles and stuff like that and you'll go back and forth so you'll open up an area and rotate something and then you'll walk backwards go up onto the ceiling then hit the switch from that side and rotate things and it's very clever i really like the puzzles and, and they have puzzles in there as well like one where you are manipulating the environment in order to make these objects either slide up or down to hit these buttons and you have to do them in a specific order to open up a door or uh, instances where you are stepping on these buttons and you have to do them in a specific order though each button will make two of these locks open or three of these locks or one of these locks and you have to manipulate them in a way so that you'll end up on the, the one closest to the door in order to open it it's really clever doesn't overstate its welcome. It's incredibly short. You could beat the game in two hours. If that, I, I'm pretty sure it would take you less than that. 
probably around an hour and a half or so, not including the two bonus levels. And it can be not not scary exactly, but exceptionally creepy at times with some of the creatures they have in there. Right off the bat in the first level, you have these women, I guess. I think they're, they're women in leotards with lampshades for heads. And you have to wait until they turn their heads, their lampshade heads off before you can sneak by or they'll kill you. They have guns and they will just shoot you dead. So that is a bit of a, well, yeah, like a limo nightmare inside. <laughs> I like how I just ignored the little part of nightmare. But yeah, if you, if you like creepy atmospheric platformers without jumping, where you can watch children or a child get killed, though there aren't as many instances of that as in the other games, and that could just be in part because it is so short. But it is a really fun little game that is enjoyable from start to finish. And again, that finish doesn't take long to reach. And yeah, definitely recommend checking it out. I'm not sure how much it costs. That could be a slight barrier to entry, I guess. If it's around 20 bucks, then it could be rough to pay that much for what is a two-hour game at best. But I, I did really enjoy my time with it. And I, I thought the whole manipulating the environment stuff was done really well and creatively. I, I like the environments a lot. The characters and the creatures in the world don't look that great, but the world itself looks pretty good like that. Then Sumatra Fate of Yandi is a very traditional point and click adventure in the vein of classic 80s and 90s point and click adventure games with the pixel art that looks good at times and bad at times. I, for the most part, it looks fine. When I first ran into this tiger, I thought it looked great. I was like, man, that is a great looking tiger. And then when I got to this village after these villagers I can't remember. I, th I think they just found me after I collapsed or whatever. And then I got out of this cave that they put me in for whatever reason. Because they're a bunch of buttholes. But when I saw the tiger who was giving them some issues. And had to throw a turkey away. So the, the tiger would run off. It looked real chunky. And not great. I was like, man. Is this the same tiger I saw earlier? Because it really let itself go. How long was I in this cave? Was I in a coma? Because this tiger looks like shit now. But overall, it looks fine. The story is of Yandi, of course. The fate of Yandi. Who is a lumberjack, woodworker, whatever you call those people. Goes into the, the jungles and cuts down trees. And while you're doing this for your boss, who is a bit of an asshole. And you work with your best friend. A landslide happens and it drifts you along into the jungle and you have to find a way to return. You also are thinking about the way you left things with your significant other and how you left on a sour note. So it's all about getting back to your loved one and finding your best friend. And it's it's a point-and-click adventure. That's, I mean, there's not much to say there because I'm not going to explain puzzles 
for you, and I'm not going to talk about the store because that's why you'd play it. But if you if you like point and click adventure games, it's I think seven dollars and definitely worth picking up if you like that genre. It's it's pretty simple and straightforward. I haven't run into any puzzles yet that are really convoluted and require you to think way outside the box of how things should actually work, which I always appreciate. But yeah, that is again Sumatra Fate of Yandi, playing on Xbox, available elsewhere. Uh, that is a Rada Like a Games joint, as is One Escape, which I'll get to even though I mentioned it at the end, at the beginning, if you know what I mean. But One Escape is a platformer where you are playing as one of three animals who are bank robbers or something, and you're trying to get out of prison. You aren't able to switch between them on the fly or anything like that, but you have specific levels where you play as them, and they all have distinct abilities. And the, the game revolves around you clearing these areas and getting into an elevator in order to progress to the next level. You will have to avoid traps, security cameras, guards, all while double jumping uh, when using all the characters. And the duck's special ability is... Being able to, I don't even know what the duck's special ability is. Maybe because it's so small, can go through vents and the like. And then the gorilla can climb on walls. And the warthog can push objects, pull objects, and actually fight against the guards. At least one guard at a time. You can knock out a guard if you find yourself in a situation where you have to do so. But it's a perfectly fine $5 platformer from Rodalika Games. Nothing super special, but perfectly fine. So there is that. And of course, it is a very easy achievement game. So if that's something you like, definitely check it out. Then Monster Jam Steel Titans 2 is a monster truck game. And I, I'm pretty sure I played the first one, but I don't remember enough about it to really say how it is different from this one, uh, specifically in terms of how it controls, because I think I was not a fan of the way Steel Titans 1 controlled, but with Steel Titans 2, I think it is a bit tighter, and it feels a bit better. It's still loose, which I think is just inherent in the way monster trucks control, from what I've gathered, that they actually do allow you to stare or move the front and rear wheels independently and that's how it works in this game as well so you have the left analog stick manipulating the front wheels i believe and then the right analog stick manipulating the rear wheels and you could use this to do crazy donuts in trick sessions or pull off tighter turns it ends up being the equivalent of handbraking in that sense Or when you are flipped over or on your side, you can spin real fast using these mechanics to right side yourself up instead of just resetting yourself. And it's it's fine. I'm still not overly fond of the way it controls. It's not my ideal because it is still very loose controlling them in general. And the way the campaign is set up is that you have, I think, 21 chapters or so in the main campaign and then there's a 
plus campaign that I haven't gotten to. But the the races are broken up into head-to-head races that have you racing against a single opponent on a mirrored track. So you're basically racing on the same, sometimes the same exact track, or they could be right next to each other, and it's just the same exact type of track. And it's about who can finish faster, which I don't like. It is the equivalent of a time trial, basically. You just have the other car doing their own thing right next to you or on the same course as you, but they start on the opposite end or or whatever. And it's not exciting. Uh, It's just like, why are they even doing this then? Why don't I just do a time trial at that point? Then you have the point-to-point races, which are fun and can be really hectic with the way monster trucks can just flip like crazy. And the destruction is pretty good in terms of the body of the cars, which is, is nice to see. There are the tricker, whatever they're called, races that just have you going around a small little arena and doing flips, donuts, jumps, etc. to get a bunch of points. You have destruction ones where they have the same arena filled with objects for you to destroy. And it's all about destroying as much as you can. Sometimes these trick things will have you or ask of you to do specific type of tricks and have you do it three times or whatever, which is fine. And then you have the traditional circuit type races. And it's it's okay, but it's a racer that I would not go out of my way to play over the abundance of racers available. And... Because of the destruction aspect, it made me think a lot of Wreckfest, and I did go back and play that a bit recently, and I, I like that game a lot more now than when it first launched. I think, I think there was just something, maybe it was the fact that it had been in development for so long, and I was so excited for so long that I was disappointed, and it was impossible not to be disappointed by a game that was in early access on PC for five plus years or so and then finally made its way to console and the load times in that game were well they still are atrocious on the last gen of consoles but on the series x it's it's very fast so that that's a definite help there but i kept thinking i'd rather be playing wreckfest they're very different games of course monster trucks control in a very unique way and if that is your bag Steel Titans 2 is solid. It's probably, as someone who can't speak to other monster truck games out there, I would assume that Steel Titans is on the more arcadey side because as someone who doesn't have much experience with monster truck games, it still felt pretty accessible. But it's uh, it's fine. And this is the one that has licensed cars because I think there's another one out there that doesn't have licensed vehicles, which is... Maybe the one big differentiating factor of the two. But yeah, that is again Monster Jam Steel Titans 2. Then last, but not least, except kind of least, there's Black Legend, which is a turn-based tactic games set in a gothic-esque environment. I believe it's 17th century France. And 
you're in this city or whatever, and this fog is coming in. You got to get rid of this fog. And I wanted to like it. I was super interested in it when I first saw it, but I find so much of it incredibly dull from the comet to the environment to the story. I just couldn't find any aspect of it to engage with it in any significant way. The combat is, like I said, it's a turn-based tactics game, and it works off a grid like most do, but of course not all. I, you know, like I think Gears of War Tactics, or Gears Tactics, not Gears of War Tactics, Gears Tactics, I believe is a more free-moving tactics game, but it is grid-based, and the way it works that makes it somewhat unique is that you have this whole alchemy humor system with four associated colors, and the way you do significant damage to enemies is by placing humors upon them. And they come in, I believe, red, black, white, and yellow. And when you combine two of them, you could stack them up to three levels. And the larger the stack, the more damage you'll do. And once you do damage, that stack will deplete or reset, and you'll have to re-humor them or whatever you want to say. And that is a... An interesting system. And you do this by using your various builds. Like you throw a rock at someone and it affects whatever humor. Or you punch them in the gut and that affects a different humor. And you also have to be very conscious of your positioning, where you're facing. So if you are fighting against an enemy with a shield, they will be able to protect themselves from the front and from wherever their shield hand is. So if they have it on the right or their left hand, they're going to be protected from the front and the left. So you're going to want to get behind them or from the side, uh, the right side. So positioning is important. Where you're facing is important. And yeah, you're fighting against dogs and occultists. And it's just, it's pretty boring. I, I found the comet just, not exciting or engaging or as strategic as I would have liked. There are some really great ideas in there, like the class system, which allows you to change your class freely when not in combat. And the way you unlock new classes is by finding weapons in the environment. You might get them off of an enemy or you find them in a chest. And when you get a weapon that is associated with a certain class, you unlock the ability to change to that class. And you can change any of your party members to that specific class and it will automatically equip those items or the items that are best suited for that class which is really nice and it pays to change often so that you have a, a very diverse group and are able to utilize various classes for different scenarios with different enemies because each class levels up independently you're not having some main level that just then affects whatever class you change you don't have an overarching level like that but there are also really annoying aspects like the lack of any type of map whether it be a mini map or a map you see in the menus so if a character says you need to go to the southwest to go meet up person meet up with this person and complete this objective or get this objective you just have to look at the compass at the top of the screen and walk there you won't see any indicator on screen of where this person is in regards to how far southwest they are or aren't you won't see an indicator above their head when they're on screen so you just kind of have to 
do guesswork, but I don't like that at all. It feels like it should be there and it isn't. And maybe the decision was made to make it more immersive, but it doesn't make it more immersive. It makes it frustrating, which breaks immersion. So if that was the mentality going in, if that's what they wanted to achieve, I appreciate the sentiment. Did not work for me. It made it more annoying than immersive. But I just find the game overall to be pretty dull, boring, and I I found little reason to keep playing after the few hours I put into it. I just wasn't motivated to keep playing. Not by the story, the environment, or the combat. If the combat grabbed me, then yeah, sure. I'd still be playing because that's the most important part of a tactics game. What what story really is in Into the Breach? Nothing. But the strategy, the mechanics, the way you are able to combine and interact with the environment, with the creatures, with your other mechs and everything is so satisfying that it doesn't matter that the story is whatever because it just mechanically is so great but that isn't the case here i do kind of like that with the environment you're able to go around the long way and then open up doors and stuff like that to create shortcuts so there's a sort of souls-esque level design bit going on there but it's just it's a nothing special game and it's it's a bummer because it was probably of all the games I played this past week and I've I've been playing that one longer than this this past week but it is the game that I was 100% the most excited to play and it's a, it's a bummer that it didn't manage to do anything for me but uh yeah that is again Black Legend and yeah that is it that is all I did a few adjustments to my audio setup, so hopefully everything sounds fine. Maybe it sounds a little bit better. Maybe it sounds a little bit worse. Maybe it sounds exactly the same. I won't know until you tell me, but hopefully, if nothing else, it just sounds exactly the same. Anywho, that will do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter, and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Attack the Backlog, and Unamazingly Baka, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also check out the video for various shows like Attack the Backlog and Unamazingly Baka, though with the Baka show, it's just audio only. You just get a static image. But if you like to consume stuff there, that is an option. I might start putting this podcast on there as well but i'm not sure i'm also thinking about ditching the numbering and just saying the date because that's all that matters that'll give you the idea not even the idea it'll it'll literally tell you when the podcast is from where an episode number doesn't tell you anything outside of just the order or whatever it's more important about the date to know when an episode is from but again i haven't said anything about the actual URL. So it is youtube.com slash pixelated sausage. Big surprise there. I bet you were like, oh, I bet it's some crazy name. It's the, I don't, I don't have anything off the top of my head because I just kind of want to end the show. My mouth is super dry, which you may be able to hear. And yeah, go there, subscribe if you aren't already. 
to watch fun videos every now and again. And maybe more in the future when I have more time to devote to other types of videos and not just attack the backlog and whatnot. But if you'd like to check out the art I make, speaking of art, I got a new iPad Air because my original one, which is pushing eight years old, I think at this point, I think that's when the original iPad Air came out in 2003. Uh, but in like October, so it's, it's getting close to eight years old. It's been showing its age and the battery life has been real bad. So I decided to get the new iPad Air after looking into the options out there in part because it's compatible with the new Apple Pencil 2 and it seems to be, or it seemed to be powerful enough to utilize it to its fullest extent. And... I did a test piece, which I posted on the Twitters and Instagram, that I first post on Instagram in like years. And I am very impressed by the pencil. It is an incredible little thing. It feels so natural. I think I like it more than using my Cintiq. And I may transition to the iPad Air as my main device for creating digital art. And I'm also thinking about transitioning to mostly digital art unless I get commission specifically wanting a a real genuine piece and not like oh can you make me this and then just print it on canvas or whatever which is a, a very valid option as well and you know in, in some senses a better option but yeah very impressed by that and the palm rejection so i'm i'm happy with that and i'm currently working on a much larger piece but uh you'll see that when you see that anywho if you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go over to the site, again, pixelatedsausage.com. You'll see a little button there that can send you to where all my images are. And if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.